So new EPC regulations, fact versus fiction. So welcome to the Sarah and George Choi Property Podcast, the show where we help you to become financially free so you can spend time with your family, traveling and pursuing your passions. Now, EPCs have been a really hot topic in our property mentoring sessions recently. And a lot of landlords are you know, very concerned whether their rental properties meet the current regulations or need some costly upgrades very soon. And there's a, a real, you know, real lot of confusion over you know, what is real, and what is perhaps a proposal. So it's looking at those legal requirements and and knowing what they are. So to make it really crystal clear, I have great pleasure in having today's guest on the show. He is um, Gavin Dick, who's the local authority policy officer at the National Residential Landlords Association, the NRLA. And they do a lot of campaigning on various topics to help landlords. So Gavin, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, great. Thank you. So let's start with something really basic. What is an EPC and when do you need to get one on your property? So if you're a landlord, an energy performance certificate is the EPC. Um, by law, you meant to have had one on your property if you rent it out currently. You have to have an EPC to a level E. So they go in reverse um, or as you have on your fridge or your dishwasher, A is meant to be best and goes all the way down to G. Um, and the energy performance certificate, as it says, measures the energy performance. Um, so it looks at the, uh, an assessor will come into your property, do a standard assessment process, uh, practice. Um, they'll go through the property and they'll judge it. So have you got an installation in the wall? What sort of heating system have you got? Have you got low energy light bulbs? Have you got double glazing? And from that, they put it all into a calculation and it throws out... Uh, a number, which then corresponds to a letter, uh, the SAP rating behind it all, um, and that gives you a calculation of is it an E, is it a D, is it a C, and various different things uh, are positive and negative, uh, and that's what you currently have. So by law, uh, since 2020, uh, 2018, uh, you've had to have an EPC on your property. Um, and the majority of landlords do, um, and yeah. most tenants never look at them. Mm. Um, but as with everything in the current climate, more and more people are looking at them because they do give an indication of the performance of their heating uh, energy conservation within the property. Yeah, yeah. So what are the, so you, you've already mentioned that the current legal requirement is an E. Is there anything then in the future that is also a current legal requirement in terms of rating? Not currently. So, so this is where there's a lot of confusion. So currently there was a consultation that closed in January 2021. Uh, and that proposed moving the target um, from uh, EP. Now, this is where it gets slightly confusing. So the, the consultation had two different metrics within it. One, I looked at the energy efficiency, and one was the environmental impact, the carbon rating. Mm -hmm. And both of those were looking towards, pushing towards a C. Um, now, the consultation said 2025, uh, April 25 for new tenancies, all tenancies from 28. But that legislation is not in. It hasn't, they haven't even published a response to the consultation. Mm. So currently, 
there is nothing on books. What there is is a long-term target of a C by 2035. But that is going to be shifted, brought forward. What those dates are are unknown. The reality is we're probably going to see a target pushed back from 25, so maybe 26, potentially even 27, um, for a start date. Um, purely because they're not responding to the consultation, they have to give it time and they have to give yeah. people a chance to upgrade the properties. Yeah. And you can't say everyone upgrade the properties in six weeks because that's just not viable. <laughs> um, so th- there are significant challenges around this, but that's what the consultation is. Then you've got other do- documents floating around. Uh, you've got the Climate Change Committee. The Climate Change Committee have said no gas boilers from Twitter have suggested no gas boilers from 28. That's not policy. Mm-hmm. You you do have no new gas boilers and new build from 25. That is policy. Mm-hmm. So that's where confusion starts creeping into all these areas. Yeah. You've also got uh, the energy bill. You've also got the building heat strategy. Mm-hmm. You've also got hydrogen strategy. You've also got a nuclear strategy. So you've got all these different competing energy policies yeah. um, competing against things. Um, and some of them work together, some of them work against each other, which I'm mm. sure we'll discuss in a minute. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one thing that I know with um, developers who are building new housing projects is that um, when you decide not to put in a gas boiler system and you put in an electric boiler system, the EPC rating reduces. So there's a bit of a conflict there between what government wants us to do and how it's being rated yeah so the epc is going to be reviewed as well so that's again how and, and this comes back to the what, what was said in the consultation there's two different things there's an energy efficiency rating so how efficient is your house at being heat? so effectively look at it as a box how quick does it heat does it take to heat and maintain heat in a box at your room mm. that's how an epc uh, so that's what it looks at. Um, currently, gas is the preferred metric within the system. Yeah. So therefore, gas is given a higher rating. So if you've got a gas boiler, it's cheaper and easier to heat a room mm. using gas yeah. than on the EPC. Then it looks at how does it maintain the heat? Have you got insulation, double glazing, etc.? If you move to electric, well, it penalises you because you're looking mm. at electric as opposed to gas um, because it's a cost equivalent rating. Um, whereas if you look at the carbon metric, gas, I'm sure you've got 100 write-ins now. Gas is 100% carbon, hypothetically. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, you can get biogas and et cetera, but if you say gas is 100, whereas the grid is considered around 60 mm-hmm. because you've got renewables, et cetera, on that and nuclear, so 60 70%. So therefore, electric is a lower carbon rating. So if you move to an EIR rating, uh, the environmental impact rating, you would be looking at electric over gas because it's got a lower carbon metric mm-hmm. as opposed to just a simple heating. How quick, how efficient is it to heat a room? Yeah. Confused? No, that makes that makes sense. That makes <laughs> sense. Um, now, what do you think? So if at some point in the future, the government says, right, every single buy-to-let, for example, an HMO, needs to be an EPC-C based on where 
landlords are at the moment, what do you think the impact would have on the rental market in terms of available properties to rent? So I break that into two different things. Depends what the C rating is. Mm-hmm. So if it's an environmental impact rating, or is it an energy efficiency rating? So if it's an energy efficiency rating. Okay. So that potentially is not a huge impact per se, because an energy efficiency rating for a lot of properties is an efficient gas boiler, double glazing, insulation. We'll get a lot of properties, not all, but the vast majority of properties to a C, low C, but they'll get there. Um, along with draft proofing, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Where the challenge will be is those hard-to-reach properties or the older properties where you're going to need external wall insulation mm-hmm. or internal wall insulation. Yeah. And I think that's where the challenges come um, because it opens up a whole sort of Pandora's box of what's needed, how it's done, and how it's delivered. So external wall insulation, to begin with, you'll need planning permission in a lot of areas. Mm-hmm. Um, equally, you're changing the facade of the building, and not all local authorities like you changing the facade of your building. Yeah, You'll have to change the windows, the guttering, and everything like that. So it does become a lot more complicated and is a lot more expensive. Mm-hmm. So that's where the big challenge is. Yeah. Um, now, in the EPC, oh, yeah, in the MEES, Minimum Energy Efficiency Standards, which is the governing behind the EPC, mm-hmm. there's an exemption register. Currently, it's 3,500. The proposal is to increase it to 10,000. Um, now, the challenge there is, does the cost of the works exceed that £10,000 cap? Right. And if it does, you can go on the exemption register. doesn't mean you can't do it. But it just does mean that you will have to do it at a later date and you can all pay with desk curves and various different right. models about how costs will come down or not. Mm. But I think more fundamental in that area is most properties that are going to need external wall insulation are in a row of houses together. Yeah. So they're not. it's not a house on its own. Quite often it's terrace streets we're talking about. Right. So that needs coordination about, actually, if you're going to do the work, the most efficient way to do the work is do a street approach. Yeah. That actually means local government has to step up and understand what it's doing. And you've got owner-occupiers, social, and PRS in that street straight away. Yeah. So you're going to have multiple different uh, tenure types, multiple different affordability types. Yeah. And that's where government grants should actually start coming in and actually helping people on that journey. Because once you start doing it at scale, you can bring the costs down. Mm-hmm. Once you start bringing the costs down, you can start using grant funding. So instead of costing, let's say, hypothetically, £10,000, you can start driving the cost down to a few thousand pounds. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's where we would like to see it for the not just the landlord, but owner-occupier and everyone especially as we go through this energy crunch at the moment. Yeah. yeah. So th- that, that's why it starts getting very complicated moving to mm-hmm. a C very quick. And that's just an energy efficiency. Yeah. You go to EIR, mm-hmm. well, that means putting a heat pump in potentially. Right. And that involves changing potentially your paperwork in your property as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then getting planning permission for a device on the outside of your building. Mm. Yeah. So, so it, it opens a lot more. Now, where we start at the beginning, take it back, What most of what we're talking about is improving the fabric of your building first. 
before you look at the heating system, improve the fabricability. Have you got double glazing? Most mm. properties have got double glazing today. Yeah. Um, have you got cavity wall insulation? Most properties have, but quite a few don't. Mm. So start looking at that. Have you dealt with all the drafts and those horrible things? Which is low-hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. And obviously, uh, loft insulation. Loft insulation mm-hmm. isn't massively expensive. You can buy it for a loft, average loft. It's probably around £250, £200 in B&Q today. Mm-hmm. Um, that does involve you doing it yourself, yeah. but it's possible. But that does make a difference, especially when you're looking at mm-hmm. energy bills today. And it keeps getting um, bigger every year, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Like, you can't use a loft once you've got the recommended. Oh, I know. I mean, it, I mean, the, the one one goes at 450 mil for some roofs now. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, you can't, but I mean, th- there are challenges because mm. when you start getting into properties, people have stuff in the loft mm. for a variety of reasons. Yeah. Um, people store things there, whatever. So when you start saying, oh, just stick it in the loft, I know there's a problem there because it is. Yeah difficult mm. um so but again the is it's those bits first before you start looking at should i go and get a heat pump should i go and get yeah external wall insulation internal wall insulation yeah have i done all the other stuff first rather than jumping into yeah a heat pump because you're not going to get the benefits from that if yeah. you do it like that no so what um given that all that is required right now is, um, you know, is our, is our rating of E um, on an EPC. What What is the NRLA doing um, to campaign with the government in order to get these proposals um, changed in some way, improved, ha- you know, helpful for both the housing market and for landlords as well? So, so there's a few things we've been campaigning on. So one... Uh, the main area I've been looking at is, so the property values change dramatically around the country. Everyone knows that. Mm-hmm. So a two-bed terraced house, for example, um, in central London, so one is, say, 450000 Identical terraced house in uh, Burnley, 70000 mm-hmm. So therefore, the value of the property is different and the rents are different. Yeah. So the argument I've put forward is the LHA rate of the area should have an impact. So the bottom 20% LHAs in the country, LHA rate in the country, should be at 5,000. Then the next 20% at 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Um, so the LHA rate has an impact on what the cap is. before. So therefore... If you've got a property that's worth seventy thousand, your cap would be potentially five, six thousand pound, mm-hmm. as opposed to ten thousand pound, because your ability to borrow and do the work is severely reduced. Yeah, because uh, mm-hmm. the rental income is not going to cover the same thing. Now, mm-hmm. yes, there's the argument about yes, but my mortgage is higher than that one, but. You've got the capacity to borrow because the property value gain, et cetera. So there's, there's a big discussion around that. But we've said the cap should vary depending on different parts of the country. Yeah. Um, the second part is around the planning system. The planning system, as everyone knows, is not fit for purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, 
if you there's something ten thousand conservation areas in England alone. Yeah. Um, and most landlords are probably unaware that they're in a conservation area. Um, but if you are, you need to then seek a planning application, even to change mm. the windows. Yeah. So what we're saying is instead of having to apply for a planning application, local authorities should set in default what is acceptable in that area. So if you've got sash windows, which are a big bugbear uh, within this system, um, what is acceptable replacement for that sash window? Mm-hmm. So therefore, as a landlord, you can do the work in default. So, so because you can't just turn around and say, oh, I'll do the work next Tuesday. You've got a tenant in there. Quite yeah. often you have to wait till the t- property is vacant to do some of the work. And it's around that process. So we're saying planning should be put in default. Mm-hmm. So landlords and property owners, generally speaking, so yeah. owner occupiers, know what's know what they can do, and then they can actively price that mm-hmm. to what they need to know. So effectively, giving people the knowledge about what is possible, yeah, um, okay. and what that cost implication is going to be, then you can make a decision about uh, what you're going to do with your stock. Because, yes, some landlords are going to sell. Others are seeing this as an opportunity. There's a mix out there. Mm-hmm. It's understanding what that mix is. Yeah. So once you understand what that mix is, uh, so I have a property, it's worth, say, a quarter of a million pound. I need to spend £10,000 on it over the next 10 years. Well, I know what that budget's going to be then. Yeah. Um, or I need to upgrade the windows or... Or, or it needs to have external wall insulation, right? I need to plan for that. Or you can say, well, I'll get shot at that property now. Um, but knowing what those costs, indicative costs, they're not going to be complete costs, but you're going to know roughly, oh, I need to replace all the windows. It's going to cost me 15, 2,000 pounds per window because of the type of window I need to replace it with. You want to know that now rather than wait until you get someone out, put a planning application in. <laughs> Mm. find out what it is and then they sound and say oh yeah that price has actually gone up now so you can plan and budget and do things better so the planning system needs massive reform mm. um just in that similar to uh if you're having external heat pumps yeah or, or you're having a heat pump installed what's that going to be the other areas around district heating networks where are they going to fit in so in tower blocks or Mm-hmm. Um, heavily dense housing areas. Is the local authority looking at a heat network? If they're looking at a heat network, they need to tell you now so you can plan for it because you might say, well, I've got a boiler. I'm going to replace it in two years' time. But it's got, because that's my reason, that's my cycle. I, re- I don't know, you, you change a boiler in every property every couple of years or whatever. However, you work it out. Mm-hmm. But if they're going to put a heat pump, it, uh, a heat network in, what's that going to be and when are they going to do it? So they say we're going to introduce it in 2025. You might say, well, I'm going to keep that boiler running for another year because I'm going to flip over to that heat network. Mm. Yeah. Um, and they will want to know that you're going to join the heat network because that's what they want. So if you put a new boiler in, you're going to sit and say, well, I'm going to have 10, 15 years use for this boiler. Yeah. I'm not going to join. Well, but our plan is for you to join. Well, yeah, you didn't communicate. So it's that bit. They need to actually sort of spatial map what they're planning for that area and how it affects people. 
Yeah. So I know, I know you haven't got a crystal ball, but if you had to guess as to when you think the government will finalize and make it the regulation that landlords have to achieve a certain rating, um, when do you think that would, that would happen? So, I genuinely don't know, um, but I guess. So, so we're speaking uh, end of August. You've got a new prime minister in 10 days' time, 11 days' time. You've got an energy crisis going on, ongoing. Mm-hmm. They've got various environmental targets to hit. I would suggest they're probably going to push it back to probably 26, April 26 for new tenancies, maybe right. even a year after that, okay. so April 27, Okay. to give people that mm. chance. That doesn't necess- that, that's for new tenancies. I don't, so if they push it to 26, which I think is, I mean, that's still only three and a half years, really, mm. which to get to a C for a lot of properties is going to be hard work. I'm not saying this is going to be easy. Yeah. That's still a very short window to get when you think mm. builders are booked up literally yeah. a year in advance. So to mm. get tradespeople in these days is difficult. Definitely. Um, so they've got to have that window. So three and a half years is not a long time. Mm. Um, and then when you start looking at it for student properties, it's an even shorter window because mm. you're only really going to be doing the work in the summer. Uh mm. So that's potentially only six months because you say two months every year. Yeah. Um, so so the, that 26, 27, I think the end date will probably be the 28 or 29. Okay. All right. Good. All right. So so not not a huge window, but at the same time, government's also got to make a decision on if they go down a nuclear route and say, we're just going to electrify electricity. And we've uh, put massive grid infrastructure in so we can put more electricity into every house and we'll yeah. electrify heat to hit the mm-hmm. carbon target. Are we going to go down a heat pump? Are we going to go down hydrogen? Are, uh, this, are we going to go down a biogas route? There's mm-hmm. lots of other things that need to happen as well. And yeah. those aren't known yet for yeah. us and Donald Rumsfeld. Yeah. So would you say your advice to landlords for the moment is... Um, whilst you can go ahead and insulate the walls and the roof, that type of thing, perhaps don't touch the heating system for the moment until the regulations are set in stone. Correct. Absolutely. Improve the fabric of your building. A, a couple of things. One, improve the fabric of the building. You're going to have to do it anyway. So you might as well do it, crack on doing it now. Secondly, it's going to reduce the energy costs for your tenants, which will probably in the current climate, make it more likely to be able to afford to pay you your rent. Yeah. Uh, so this is win-win. <laughs> Equally, it keeps your home uh, dry, safe, warm. Well, that's a benefit for you because you're keeping your building better in a better state. So, yeah, improve the fabric of your building now mm-hmm. um, because you're going to have to sometime soon anyway. Right. Um, and that's also going to be transposed into owner-occupier as well. Um, quite a lot of discussion around there was a paper from Onward the other day about stamp duty changes when you're selling your property 
there's a proposal about the EPC rating and things like that. So right. there is discussion about how to move it into the owner-occupier sector as well. Right. And okay. that's going to be done through more the transaction of selling and buying property. Okay. Are there any grants that you're aware of that landlords could use to, to improve the energy efficiency there, rating of the building? There are. Um, for how long, we don't know. Um, because, again, the grants come through. Eco, eco is a part of your bill. Liz Truss, uh, the front runner to be prime minister, she's said she's going to scrap them off the energy bill. So right. if she takes them off the energy bill, they're not going to come in grant form. Right. Um, so that as one proposal. It could, it could be completely different by tomorrow. So uh, <laughs> so don't take it as gospel. Right. Um, there is something called LAD funding, a, uh, local authority funding. Right. And this is where, uh, again, where local authorities aren't great at delivering. So uh, in one of the rounds, we saw 53% of local authorities return 100% of the money. So right. local authorities need to get a bit more focused on understanding. They need to engage with the PRS, mm-hmm. engage with the owner or occupier, and start talking about what solutions they can actually deliver in those areas. So they need to know what housing stock is. They need to know what improvements can happen. And LAD funding um, is significant funding. So local authority can bid several million pound. They can then put that in uh, to specific projects that could be. And that's where my argument is around uh, external wall insulation, EWI. That's the sort of scale funding you're going to need. You can do a whole street approach and improve that whole street at a time. there's all sorts of things because you actually, especially when you've got the, the Coronation Street style housing, mm-hmm. uh, with the, street, the front doors right on the street, because you are going to take an inch and a half of the street. Planning departments don't necessarily like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you're going to have to start. Councils need to sort of step up and work with the landlords about what's going to happen, and yeah. through that, then deliver the grants to improve those areas at that scale. Right. Okay. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks for coming on the show and making it crystal clear on EPCs and where we are at the moment. Um, I highly recommend that everybody join the um, the NRLA. Um, personally, I've been a member for over fourteen years, and uh, you know it's a great place to keep up to date with the industry. And there's a wonderful magazine that comes out with it, and they've also got a, a number of benefits. So I'll put a link in the description so you can join up now. Uh, if you found this useful, hopefully you did. Then please, you know, like subscribe, share it with your friends, and we'll see you for another video next week. So thanks very much, Gavin. Thanks to everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye.